Life Audio. Faith Over Fear is brought to you by Life Audio and is part of our Faith Toolkit series. For more inspirational, faith-affirming podcasts, visit us at lifeaudio.com. Hello, welcome to the Faith Over Fear podcast, where we discuss powerful truths to counter anxiety and fear, big and small. At Holy Love Ministries, we are passionate about helping God's children discover, embrace, and experience soul-deep emotional and spiritual freedom, and we want to inspire you to share that freedom with others. We would love to connect with you online. Just visit our show notes to learn about one of our upcoming events, how to book one of our speakers for your next event, or simply how to connect with us. everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. I'm Jennifer Slattery, and I know how messy and painful relationships can be. We've all experienced the hurt of rejection and betrayal, and we've probably at some point received the message, if not from our family of origin, then from our culture, that needing others makes us weak or needy. And independent living reveals courage and strength, but this is one of the most destructive, defeating, and enslaving lies we can develop. One that, when bought into, leads to incredible vulnerability, increased weakness, and often increased fear and anxiety. The truth is, God designed us to experience deep, healthy, interdependent relationships with others, especially with other Christ followers, which means we won't and we absolutely cannot experience the full life Christ promised, the joy, the peace, the soul-deep freedom that He promised, living independently. We're best able to fight our anxieties and fears when we remain connected to one another in healthy and and interdependent relationships. And before I get too far, I wanted to issue two invitations. First, for those of you who feel isolated, unseen, and unknown in your current struggles, and who would love to find a safe place where you can receive encouragement and support, I want to invite you to join Holy Love's private support group on Facebook. It's the Faith Over Fear group. And I'll share a link to the group in our show notes. And I also want to invite those of you who have the gift of compassion and hospitality, who have a heart for inclusion, to join Holy Love's volunteer online engagement team where God will use you to speak love and grace and hope into the lives of others. And as this is an online community, you can serve from home and on your schedule. So contact me through the Holy Love website, which we'll link to in the show notes to learn more. Today, Holy Love's Michelle Lazurek is joining us to talk about the faith and the courage bolstering power found through interconnected living. Michelle, I am really looking forward to our conversation. 
Oh, Jennifer, I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. So Michelle is a multi-genre award-winning author. She's a speaker. She's a pastor's wife, and she's a mother. She's a regular contributor for iBelieve.com and for Crosswalk.com. She's also a literary agent for WordWise Media Services, and she's a certified writing coach. And she's also on the Holy Loved Ministries team. And when she's not working, she enjoys sipping a Starbucks latte, my kind of girl, collecting 80s memorabilia, and spending time with her family and her crazy dog, Cookie. I will have to hear stories about she, he, she, he, she, she. Stories about her at some at some point because she sounds fun. For more info, please visit her website, michellelazurek.com. So that's L-A-Z-U-R-E-K. And of course, we're going to put that in our show notes. Now, Michelle, I know from past conversations I've had with you, when you went through a really challenging period, your community, the people around you really played a big role in helping you get through that. Yeah, the, my local church body really was uh, the hands and feet of Jesus during just a really tough season in my life. So the year 2020 was probably one of the most difficult of my life and not just because of COVID. I have always struggled with anxiety, even as a kid. Came from what I would probably say was a controlling home. I had parents that were very micromanaging in terms of their parenting style. And so I often walked on eggshells when it came to just my daily interactions with them. I kind of never knew where I stood. And sometimes when some small minor thing would happen, it would explode into this much larger altercation. And so it caused me a lot of anxiety, which even as a kid, I was able to figure out how to cope with. I had coping mechanisms like deep breathing and drinking water and things like that that had helped. That was until 2020 hit. And it was right actually before COVID. And I just had a myriad of issues that were going on in my life. We we're having financial issues, marriage issues, work tensions, work deadlines, and all of it just kind of became this ultimate tsunami of issues that I just couldn't control anymore. And so I started having panic attacks. And at first, they occurred sporadically and they were something that I could keep at bay. But the more anxiety that I experienced, the longer it took for those waves of panic to subside. And so I kind of felt like, I don't know if you remember the old Staples commercials with the red button that says that was easy and you could push the button. <laughs> that, was easy, that was easy. Like it was like someone was constantly pushing a, a panic button and I could never get it to stop. It was just wave after wave after wave. And so I literally woke up every, every day. I got to this point where I would wake up panicked and I would go to bed panicked. So when your heart rate is normally supposed to be, you know, I don't know, 80s or 90s, probably maybe lower than that from that kind of sleep position, I would lay in bed. And I remember one night specifically laying in bed with my iWatch on. And the iWatch has an app on it that where you can track your heart rate. And I was I'm feeling my heart beating out of my chest. And my resting heart rate is like 129, wow. 129, 140. Like this is like heart attack range. So I knew at that point, I was like, I can't go on like this anymore. So I realized that I was having kind of those same patterns of anxiety that I'd had as a kid. And I reached out to a local counselor. And uh, he was very good at helping me with some more coping strategies, giving me assignments to kind of help process through, you know, some of the, the issues that I was having, plus some of the work-related deadlines, things like that. But the anxiety by that point had gotten so bad that I just stopped. I stopped functioning normally. I couldn't focus on anything. I wasn't sleeping. I wasn't eating. I was dropping weight like crazy. And I just kind of knew I was at the end of myself. I don't think there's any point in my life where I had felt like that before. And I knew it was time to do something. And so I enlisted the help of a psychiatrist and they put me on some medication. 
And ultimately, I was diagnosed with a generalized anxiety disorder. But I remember staring at the ceiling one night, and it had been weeks since I'd been having these panic attacks. And these types of thoughts were kind of racing through my head. I was thinking, what is happening to me? Like, what is this really my life? Like, is what who do I have to help me navigate through this tough season? And I really thought my life as I knew it was over, which is so ironic because it came right before COVID hit. So I had to take some time off. I'm pastor's wife, as you know, so our church had to get involved. I took some time off for healing. And when I came back, I had one week where I saw my local church family and they were very welcoming and loving. They welcomed me back with open arms and then COVID hit and then the church shut down. So I literally had one week with these people and then months where we went and we never saw each other again. So there were so many people who were concerned and, and you know, of course, likely so that they would be. But I remember thinking to myself, these two main fears, fear of judgment and fear of loss. I was afraid that people would judge me. I was afraid that they would ridicule me because of what I had gone through. I was afraid that I would never operate in my church as I once had, being the leader of a lot of different ministries. What I found, though, as I was embraced by my local church family, instead of that judgment, instead of that ridicule, was God's grace and mercy. And I am so grateful to them. I know God handpicked me to be in that particular congregation at that particular season because there were so many people who just were so welcoming. The cards that I'd gotten, the texts that I'd gotten, the flowers, the gifts when they found out that I was ill, they flooded my house with them during the time of COVID. And when I came back and everyone embraced me, I couldn't believe the stories of people who had either A, had been through it themselves or B, had loved ones who had been through it. And it really made me feel like I wasn't alone. And even though I kind of, in a sense, had to lose myself, I guess, through all of that and kind of navigating through this time of loss of this new normal. And I think we all kind of went through that through COVID. But mine, of course, was compounded because I had this issue. And of course, the fear of that of that judgment that people were going to look at me differently or they weren't going to trust me. And we had the vast majority of people in our church who were really understanding because they'd either been through it themselves or knew people who had been through it. And so I just was so grateful. The community of the body of believers is so indelible to people, especially in times of great fear, for sure. That is a really beautiful story. And there's actually so much I want to kind of just, I think we could talk about. The one thing I think is beautiful. We didn't, you and I didn't know each other then. No. And I don't know if you knew about Holy Loved Ministries at no, that point. No. Nope. Or this podcast. Nope. <laughs> and and it's almost <laughs> this came in a great time of healing for me. So when I heard about it, I was like, I think that was man-made for me. <laughs> right. And well, and as a ministry leader, I'm thinking, I think she has been uniquely equipped for where we're at. Not that I don't believe God creates our pain and our struggles. Our world, we just live in a, a really chaotic, painful, broken world. But he does allow us to experience difficulty that he then uses to, one, to help us depend on him, to help us depend on others, and then also that he will use us in our future ministry. So I really loved how you shared not only the support you received from your community. I, I want to repeat a couple of things I know to be true about you to those who are listening. So for those who are listening and they're thinking, they you're a pastor's wife. If somebody didn't know your story and they just walked into your church on a Sunday morning and they saw you with your family and they thought, that, oh, she is perfect or she's got it all together. There's something wrong with me. I should be able to live like that. And if, I, if I'm really close to Jesus, then I'm going to be at peace and I'm not going to struggle or, hey, I must be defective or I must be there's there's 
I can't be successful. Any of those lies that can kind of camp onto our our mental health challenges. But so here you are, a pastor's wife, which is I'm sorry, I, I have friends who are pastors. Right? There's enough anxiety right there. Just saying. So if you have a pastor, <laughs> if you have, if you pray for your pastors, pray for your pastor's kids, pray for your pastor's wife. There's a lot uh, that they carry all the time. And you're also an author. You're a successful author. You just had a book actually released not not terribly long ago. Beautiful book, by the way. Thank you. And you're a literary agent. Yep. The Lord has blessed me in my career exponentially. I mean, that and in continues to do so. And I think that is something I cling on to, you know, just for myself, having gone through that really tough time to know that God is really been behind me and does bless. He blesses he blesses all of us, but I have especially appreciated the blessings. I think because when you've lost so much, when you've gone through a tough time and you really think your life, I there were literally moments when I would think to myself, my life is literally crumbling around me and there's nothing I can do to stop it. And I think that in those moments, and I would never it was a gift. And I I hesitate to say that because I don't want any listener to think, you know, to think of your anxiety as you know, as something pleasant. I, I No one understands that feeling better than I do. But it was a gift in the sense that I'm not the same person as I was before COVID. And I'm happy for that. And God does take our greatest times of pain and loss and hurt, and he redeems it because he's the God of redemption. And I think that when he takes those times, those really, really rock bottom moments of our lives where we think there is no way that God can redeem this ever, he takes it and he gives us back 10 times what we once had because we're willing to give up part of ourselves. And that's what I, for me, during that time of COVID, when the church was shut down, I was away from people and I didn't have to be on, quote unquote, as the pastor's wife, I got to be myself. And I think I understood Jesus in a new way. And I know that sounds mystic, but I really did understand God differently and more intimately because of what I had been through. Because when he strips away all of this stuff, that you have all the popularity, all the possessions, all the performance, all the stuff, and it's just you and him. You get this these rock bottom moments where you're crying out to God. And I'm talking like the guttural, snotty cry where you don't even have the words to pray. And you're praying and you're just asking God just for his help. Those are the moments when God uses us the most, because those are the moments where it's just you and him. You're stripped away. You're stripped of everything. And you just become yourself and you know that there is a God that knows you in that barren state. And those are the moments when he uses us the most and he speaks to us the most. And that's where we're transformed or in those moments, I think. Yeah, I also like it. This is a little bit of an aside from our topic today, so I don't want to go too far. But for our listeners, there are some things when you shared your story that I really clued into. You recognized some some threads from your family of origin that were impacting your anxiety in the present. And a lot of people maybe haven't learned to do that yet. And that can be really, really helpful. I picked up on how you talked about one thing hit after the other. And we don't often recognize. So if we're dealing with a job loss, that's hard, right? But then we're dealing with a job loss and maybe a health challenge. And that's doubly hard. Our, our reserves are stretched. And then we're dealing with a, a job loss and a health challenge and lack of sleep. And our reserves are triply, triply stripped. 
And so we may wonder, like, why can't I handle all of this coming at me? It's because you've got like, you can only catch so many balls. Our brain can only process so much. I think that's important for our listeners to give themselves slack. If you are being hit on every side, yeah, it's, it's going to feel overwhelming and unbearable, which is why we need community because we can't shoulder it alone. The other thing I, I liked that you said is you, recognized patterns of you're saying, okay, I've grown in my healing journey enough that I've learned how to find coping mechanisms, but I'm recognizing these patterns that are saying, okay, I need a little additional help. I think that's very healthy as well. And then super healthy, you sought help when you needed it. And so all of those things, just just to reiterate to our listeners, those can be really helpful in our own journeys. I wonder, so when you were talking about how the community came alongside you. And, and I'm thinking of like long-term freedom and how God a lot of times will heal the wounds that lead to the anxiety. It's interesting to me that a big, if I heard you correctly, a big part of your anxiety came from growing up in this critical environment, which I can imagine, like nothing you do is ever right and you don't know when it's going to be right or when it's going to be wrong. That would be a terrifying way to live. And I can see how you could easily, without even knowing it, bring it into all of your adult relationships and interactions, especially as a pastor's wife, because sometimes, frankly, people put that expectation on you because you serve people who are, are maybe immature in their faith and their and spirituality. Was there some sense of healing to some of those deep soul wounds as a child when your community came at you with such grace when you were in a place of weakness? Yeah. So I guess one of the best resources I've ever read when it comes to this idea of kind of soul care is a gentleman by the name of Rob Rumer. And he's a pastor for 25 years, now speaks, well, both in the States and internationally. And he has a book called Soul Care. And in it, he talks about different areas of our lives that we can work through to help get our souls healthy. And he talks about things like, you know, past traumas, childhood things, wounds, fears, and I've gone through that book at least two or three times now. And it's one of the best resources I have found that has helped me kind of heal through some of those things. And one of the exercises that he asks us to do is he asks us to pray and ask God to show you where the Holy Spirit was in a moment where you first felt this large wound in your life. You had this issue where someone hurt you. Recall the memory of it. And then ask the Holy Spirit where he was or ask Jesus where he was in that moment. And I had never really thought about that at all when it came to uh, soul stuff. We always think that they're compartmentalized. Like once you're saved, all that stuff is covered and we never have to think about it again. But for but for me, those things were very intermingled. And I was carrying a lot of those things from my childhood that I had never really dealt with into my adult life. And that really does skew your worldview in terms of how you see yourself in God and the world. And so when I was going through that exercise of deep wounds, one of the memories that came up was when I was 12 years old and I was graduating. It's like 12, 13. And I was graduating from uh, eighth grade and we were getting ready to graduate, go on to high school. And I'd always been really good at school, had to work hard, got A's and B's, but I was, I had to work hard at it. And it was coming time for them to announce salutatorian and valedictorian. And I had a pretty good shot or so I thought of getting one of these things. Now, we had someone in our class who pretty much eat, slept, and bred A's. So we knew she was kind of in the lock for valedictorian. But salutatorian was still up for grabs. And I thought, I've done pretty well. I had many people in the class. It was a small classroom. And uh, they people thought, 
Yeah, she probably has this. So in my mind, I'm thinking, I got this, you know? So we're walking over. It was a Catholic school, actually. We went over to the Catholic church because that's where we're going to have graduation. We were getting ready to practice for grad, for the kind of coming in and the, the commencement and all that stuff. So we go in and we all sit down in the first two rows of pews and the principal gets up to the microphone and she announces who these people are. And of course, for valedictorian, this girl named Amy, of course, we all knew that she was going to have this. And she goes to announce the name of salutatorian and it wasn't my name. And it was, there was only 24 people in my class, 12 boys and 12 girls. And it was this collective gasp from all other 23 people. I'm sitting on the very end and I'm staring at the principal. And it was like this whole, <gasps> and then all like all these heads turned and stared wow. at me. And I'm just kind of staring there. I don't know what to do. And I'm embarrassed, of course, because I feel like, you know, thought I had this thing. Well, and everyone's looking at no, no 12 year old girl wants everyone in the class looking at them, right? Yeah, no, that's definitely on the top 10 list of no, no, <laughs> for sure. So, uh, yeah, so that we got done, we practiced and everything. Um, I held it together. I want to cry, right? I just want to bust out. So I get in, I go back to school, I get my stuff and my mom's waiting for me and I grabbing all my things and I'm trying to run out the front door. And right before I get there, the girl who got the salutatorian or she caught my eye. She was standing there and she says something to the effect of, oh, you know, I'm sorry, Michelle, I really thought you had it or something. And I lost it. I go blubbering out the front door. I'm so embarrassed. And I, I get home, I get into the car and explain the situation to my mom. And instead of her consoling me and saying, that's okay, we still love you. You tried your best. She berated me for the whole trip. I'm so sorry. And then when I got home, my father, who normally was, I was kind of daddy's girl. So we kind of, he was pretty much the one who kind of protected me in fights and all kind of things, you know. And uh, when I told him, he chimes in and kind of berates me for this long period of time. And I'm weeping my eyes out. And God showed me when I'm all this to say, when we're I'm in the soul care conference, that that is the moment when I called myself stupid for the very first time. Wow. Never stopped calling myself stupid after that. And when you see yourself through that lens of people being smart or dumb, inferior, superior, it will definitely change how much you love yourself and how much you love other people. And so that was the moment that God wanted to heal in my life when I went to that soul care conference and worked mm-hmm. through that deep issue. So all that to say, when you asked me about soul wounds, yeah, I definitely, is it something, it's still a tape that plays in my head. It's still something I call myself sometimes when I make a dumb mistake or something. But I have had to learn God always reminds me of that moment and tells me that I did the best I could in that moment, that I didn't have to perform and I don't have to perform to be welcomed into God's community, that he loves me for who I am. And I think that overarching theme of performance or trying to win over someone's approval by grades or in some other fashion has always been so deeply ingrained in me. And that is something that God had to strip away from me in these moments when I'm struggling with anxiety. Because there is no performance anymore. There is no one-trick pony. There is no circus clown. It's just you and God. And when you take all that stuff away and you just become Michelle, God speaks into your life in a powerful way. So yeah, so God definitely did heal me, not only in those moments when I was alone with him, but he had been working on me up until that point, kind of healing me from some of those soul wounds. And the community who accepted me upon first glance really did help in terms of kind of eliminating through that lie of that judgment, which really was behind it was the fear of, I can't perform for you anymore, so who am I? And that's a main, that's a big question for anyone to be asking, let alone a, a pastor's wife who is kind of on display every 
week at her church. So God had, had been working through me quite a bit and had been working through me up until that point. And I just love hearing the story of how your church came together. And it reminds me of, there's a section in scripture in, so this is when, not terribly long after Jesus had died, rose again, and then ascended to the Father. And it tells us that the community of believers, Christ followers, that they got together and that they ate together and they shared their property with one another. If anybody had a need, they would sell something off and support one another. And when I think about now, at that point in history, intense persecution hadn't really ramped up. We don't see that until like Acts chapter eight. We do know that intense persecution was coming. But Rob, like if I had been in that place, in that world, and I'm following this this man, God, so Jesus is fully man, fully God, and I'm following this crucified, crucified, risen Lord, knowing everything that had led to his crucifixion. So having seen a mob rise up with violence and with with such influence that they could sway a Roman governor who scripture tells tried numerous times to free Jesus. And if I knew and I'd watched the religious leaders stir up this mob and create this this massive where basically it led to the crucifixion, the beating and the crucifixion of Christ, I wouldn't feel all that secure, not just following Jesus, but going against anything that was even remotely that could get anyone upset. And and we also know they had, because they're human, and sometimes we forget this, they had the normal concerns of job loss, financial difficulty, relational stress, maybe health challenges. And that's why I find that section of scripture I feel like it was probably imperative to their well-being, to their even being able to function with any faith and courage and confidence. And and I actually say we can have faith and and anxiety intermixed, but just the support, I think, that they probably gained from one another. Yeah, I love what you're referring to. You're thinking about the book of Acts in chapter two. And I think that's one of my favorite books of the Bible. And chapter two, I think, is my favorite passage because it's such a radical example. The church was such this overarching presence in people's lives during a time of great chaos. And yeah, they didn't have an intense persecution like they did in chapter eight, but it was coming. And people already knew they were on people's radars. And if they were going to do that to Jesus, what would happen to them? So that at the very least, they were asking these questions themselves and kind of hoping if I just band together with these other people, maybe I'll be okay. And I love that model, the example of what Acts 2 does for Christians. In a world that was so tumultuous, yeah, because we don't we don't know what that's like after COVID, right? <laughs> yeah, so having a global pandemic, going through a world where nothing is stable, and having the church as this incredible presence where people could come and band together and identify each other as one of them. I found it really interesting as I was reading articles on just on this topic and about resiliency in general. So resiliency, the ability to persevere through really challenging situations and then also to bounce back. And studies have actually demonstrated that a person's community support plays a bigger role in their resiliency than all of their individual strengths. And I'm sure there's lots of reasons. Like you talked about when you know you're not alone. And so you're if you have a need, then you might still worry about your job loss, but at least you have one less fear kind of taken off your plate. And also we know joy increases resiliency and it greatly helps counter 
depression and anxiety and relationships can be a source of joy and love and trust and healing. And God often loves us and speaks to us and encourages us through others. So I think that's a really beautiful story and a beautiful example of the type of relationships God wants to lead us forward. And I'd I'd like to end on that note. I know some of you First, I want to acknowledge those who live in areas where they don't have a local church. And I want to acknowledge that's really hard or a Bible-believing local church. And I know some of you, that's the case. I'm going to encourage you to pray that God helps you find Christ followers who you can maybe meet in your living room or you can meet at a park or or wherever you can find to build that that community and for the others. Really, we all can be praying for that. And if we're in a situation that feels unhealthy, that maybe isn't the type of community that we know God is calling us to, then I just encourage you to pray on that as well. Seek a counselor to help you negotiate, like navigate that. Is my perspective correct? What part of my own woundedness is impacting how I'm seeing this? Are there ways I can seek out healthier relationships? And I especially, Michelle, I just love your story and how you tie in how God has helped you in your journey and then also how he helped these people in the book of Acts throughout history. Yeah, I've understood, especially going through this tough time, I have understood the Acts 2 passage probably more deeply than I ever have. I always loved it, but I especially loved it because I saw glimpses of that during that time. And uh, and like I said, when you're at rock bottom, when you feel like you have nothing left and there are people who are not your relations or not your relatives, come up to you and just embrace you and say, welcome back. We've missed you. We love you. What can I do to help you? That you will understand true community because that really are the people who are really sacrificing their own fear of rejection, their own fear of judgment. True, true. It takes its two ways. And even if you're the most extroverted, loving person in the world, there still is always that risk of rejection that that other person's going to say, oh, no, thanks, or not want to hug or not do something. And it will cause you that embarrassment and that fear. So having people around you, and and thank you for acknowledging for people who don't have the local church, you know, we do have the technology today where you can get on to Zoom calls, you can get on to phone calls of group chats, things where even if you don't have a local body, you can join people just like what I experienced that will love on you, who will cherish you, who will celebrate your triumphs and hold you up during the tough times. And I think that really is the essence of true community. And we all need it. We can't fool ourselves into thinking that we can do this life on our own. That's beautiful. Well, to our listeners, I want to thank you for listening. I hope this gave you some encouragement to begin praying for that type of community, taking some risks and finding that and learning to lean on those that God does bring into your life as well and being that for someone else. If you haven't already done so, I encourage you to subscribe to this podcast and then you won't miss a single episode. And we would love it if you would rate it. That encourages our team and it helps others to find it as well. Until next time, may you live as one who truly has been set free. Faith Over Fear is a production of Life Audio and Salem Media. If you liked what you heard today, please take a second to rate and review this podcast in your favorite podcast app so that more listeners like you can find the show. For more faith-filled, inspirational podcasts, visit us at lifeaudio.com. I'm Billy Yancey, entrepreneur, fitness cowboy, father, retired Navy cornerback, and now podcast host. Listen to my new show, Billy and the Goat, on Life Audio. Happy listening.